Hello, this is Joan DeMartin, author of Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America. The title of today's post is Predatory Home Buyers Targeting the Elderly, the Poor, and Even the Lonely. I'm going to start with a quote from a ProPublica article published on May 11th of this year. And in this article, it documented its investigation into a company called We Buy Ugly Houses and its corporate owner, Homevestors of America. Quote, pain is always a form of motivation. The training manual reads, once you find the seller's pain, you have a much better chance of buying the house. End quote. Again, that's from a ProPublica article published on May 11th, 2023. Um, and it's documenting its investigation into We Buy Ugly Houses and its corporate owner, Homevestors of America. I've written about predatory business practices several times before on crime and punishment, but usually focused on the companies that lend money, like payday lenders as one example. Their business model targets the poor who are more likely to be in vulnerable social and financial situations and because of low credit scores and lack of higher paying jobs, cannot borrow from a more closely regulated institution, like banks, for example. This population is desperate for cash or credit. Lenders know it and prey on them in their communities. Predatory practices are baked into an unscrupulous company's culture and literally taught to its employees. And in the case of Homevestors, the target of the ProPublica article above, its franchisees. Of course, these practices are never discussed or admitted to publicly because the companies are savvy enough to put a legitimate face on their business operations and for good reason. These practices, either individually or taken together, can amount to fraud. And thankfully, fraud is still illegal. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, was created in 2010 via the Dodd-Frank Act, passed as part of the government response to the financial crisis. Since its inception, the CFPB has compiled this record. 3.9 million plus consumer complaints received responses from the Bureau. 17.5 billion in financial relief as a result of CFPB actions. 200 million people eligible for financial relief based on CFPB investigations. That's a pretty good record. Yet this is the federal agency, along with the U.S. EPA, that some elected officials want to dismantle and defund, protecting consumers and the environment. Gone. Anyway, earlier this year, the CFPB issued a detailed policy describing what it considers abusive and illegal practices by financial institutions that result in an unfair advantage to the seller and negative consequences to the buyer.
or the purchaser. The policy intends to put both the regulated community and consumers on notice, specifying what business practices to avoid and what tactics should trigger suspicion for a consumer. Although the CFPB banned abusive practices in the financial industry shortly after it was founded, this new policy details what it considers illegal abusive practices and establishes a more detailed framework for federal and state regulators to enforce violations. Quote, the CFPB sets forth how abusive conduct generally includes. Number one, obscuring important features of a product or service, or two, leveraging certain circumstances, including gaps in understanding, unequal bargaining power, or consumer reliance to take unreasonable advantage. And I'm adding of consumers. End quote. It is unclear if these prohibitions on illegal abusive tactics by, fi- by financial institutions apply to companies like Homevestors of America, unless the homeowner or family member can prove separately that a specific practice amounted to elder abuse or fraud, which are crimes distinct from the illegal practices described by the CFPB's new policy. In a separate article, investigating the legal options for consumers subject to high-pressure real estate tactics, ProPublica concludes, quote, Because homeowners are being pressured to sell rather than to buy something, the laws don't cover them as consumers. The harm is the same, though. Parties with unequal bargaining power are engaging in a transaction and the less sophisticated party loses, end quote. Uh, And that was stated by uh, Kate Dugan, who is a staff attorney at Community Legal Services in Philadelphia, who worked on a novel city law to regulate real estate wholesalers, end quote. When you read the individual stories of some of the victims of the home buyer, home home investors of America, as unearthed in a series of articles by ProPublica, you will understand why the word abusive is used to describe the tenets of this business model. First, these businesses target the elderly, the poor, and those living alone, typically the most vulnerable to scams. According to interviews with Homevestor's franchisees and references in its training manuals, their employees are directed to scope out poorer neighborhoods and those nearby to nursing homes and rehab facilities for signs of illness or financial distress, like utility shutoff or eviction notices, even belongings piled outside of a home. They also research public records to find those who have lost a spouse to death or divorce. Then these prospective buyers contact this most vulnerable population relentlessly with letters, mailers, and calls and visits to their homes. If they close on sales, a sales contract, typically for two-thirds or less of the listed value of the home, and the seller, or more often the seller's family, try to cancel the contract, 
the franchise often files a notice of a legal dispute against the title that effectively prohibits the seller from transferring the property to someone else. This is called clouding the title. And the franchise files a lawsuit for breach of contract in court. Quote, Real estate experts, however, say Homevestor's franchisees, large volume of lawsuits and title notices, is not only indicative of a predatory business practice, it's a tacit acknowledgement that sellers often later learn of better options or better ways to sell their house. End quote. I love this kind of reporting that good journalism fosters and expects in many of ProPublica's deep dives into a, co- a company's fraudulent behavior, for example, can make a real difference in people's lives. And it spurs Congress and state and local legislatures to enact broader consumer protection laws and close any glaring loopholes in existing laws. But as we know, heavy-handed sales tactics have been around probably as long as humans grunted their way into communication and the concept of property of any kind existed. In the mid-1980s, perhaps the Stone Age for some, and shortly after I graduated law school and was working as an attorney for the Ohio EPA, my widowed mother called me to let me know she had signed a contract for the sale of our family home. By that time, I was aware that she had at least one mini-stroke, TIA, perhaps attributable to an adjustment of her blood pressure medication, but who knows, and had stopped driving, but had her that she had her cognitive abilities been impaired, I was completely unaware of that. When she told me about the circumstances leading to the sale and then saw the contract her attorney, quote-unquote, had let, had let her sign, I was livid. As I recall, it was some sort of a land contract where she didn't receive any money up front and would be forced to move from a comfortable small home into a senior living apartment she had looked into. But she hadn't signed any lease yet for this new apartment. It was The contract was stuffed with contingencies as to when she would actually receive any money from the alleged sale. The contract was technically legal but unconscionable and the worst possible deal for the seller. Worse, she had been talked into it by her quote-unquote friend, a man whose name she was familiar with, who had driven her places when he saw her walking by herself, and he mentioned he was working with her attorney and interested in buying her house. I was sure she was lonely enough to talk to this man and discuss how her husband died unexpectedly, etc., and about her health woes, making her even more vulnerable to predatory tactics. My my mother was a born and bred New Yorker who had always been savvy enough to avoid this BS, but not after she had strokes and resulting dementia. I contacted her attorney, and he balked at letting her out of the contract, claiming the fraudulent home buyers, as the the fraudulent home buyers in the ProPublica investigation had, that he thought her cognitive abilities were just fine, and she was of sound mind when she signed the contract. 
I won't describe exactly how I let loose on this unethical attorney, but suffice it it to say I threatened to sue his ass off if he did not let her out of the contract. He did relent, and I paid the termination fees specified in the contract, which I should have not had to do given the highly unethical, unconscionable terms of the sale. This scenario that happened over 40 years ago almost exactly replicates the predatory tactics used by homevestors and other companies in today's home buying business. Only now it's a pervasive national scheme to prey on the vulnerable rather than individuals with a bit of leverage in their community in cahoots to defraud a few people. Have you ever experienced similar uh, have you had an experience similar to mine and or the schemes uncovered in the ProPublica articles? What should be done to prevent these unethical and potentially illegal business tactics? I'd love to hear your take on this. Feel free to leave your thoughts in the comment section below. And by the way, if you are not already a subscriber, why not take this opportunity to join our community with a free or paid subscription? A new paid subscription or an upgrade from a free-to-paid subscription will allow me to expand this newsletter with additional primary source information like interviews and public information requests and expand and expanded podcast offerings to include real-life guests. Although I won't be going on strike anytime soon, The current TV writer's strike demonstrates that writers deserve to be paid. That was a telemarketer, by the way. That writers deserve to be paid and paid well for their work, just like any other profession. Thank you in advance for your financial support of my writing. And as always, thank you for reading and listening to Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America. See you next time.